Welcome to episode 237 of the Bat Flip Crazy podcast, where you always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. This is edition number 141 of Bubba and the Bat Flip. Bubba and I take a look at the third base position, uh, which is a nice position. I like it. It's deep. Uh, it's deep this year. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. Let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 141. We're going to continue our positional preview for the 2023 fantasy baseball season with the third base position, the hot corner. An interesting position, a shallow yet kind of later around. It's a weird, weird position. We're going to get to all the fun with that and uh, and much, much more. But first off, you can find me on Twitter at BD Indrick. My co-host is always on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Bubba. You know, it's the new year. So just it's 2023. We're rocking it. How about you? We are rocking it. We are rocking it into the new year, as you said. So much fun. So many new things. Um, And baseball just means, you know, pitchers and catchers report in like six weeks or something. It's, uh, It's crazy. We're not that far away, all things considered. So it's time to giddy up and get ready. So we're going to get you guys through here. We've already done catcher, first base, and second base. So we head to third base tonight, Toby. Um, any thoughts on what you saw in 2022, what you've kind of seen a little bit from maybe some research or some talk or whatever you've done in 2023 that kind of gets you looking at the position in any certain way? Yeah, I mean, I think with the position, I actually, I actually prefer some of the deeper options, I think. I think there's a lot of the guys going kind of late in drafts um, that I feel like are worth taking a shot at, you know, and whether that's as your CI or whether that's your, your third baseman, I think there are some, some pretty good values on the board there um, or, you know, perceived values when you take a look at some of the projected where some of the projections and where, where folks are going. And so I think I'm probably skipping, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's some of the, some of the top guys that are, are okay. I think some of the, a lot of the middle guys I'm not as big of a fan of, and I think some of the later guys are definitely of interest to me. So um, I think it's a really interesting uh, interesting position um, for sure. Uh, not a ton of different profiles, but certainly, you know, some um, some some interesting some interesting players. And that was a great way of saying a lot of uh, similar profiles, basically, because um, especially after you get out of the top, you know, eight or nine guys, where there's a little bit of differentiation. Still, a lot of them are kind of similar too. There's a little better than the next group. That's all it really is. Um, that the later round guys, like the more I when, when I did my my initial thoughts on third base like a month or so ago, I thought I'd need a top guy. Blah blah blah. The more I've done little drafts, that's the whole point of doing some things and kind of learning the player pool better. I still kind of prefer, obviously, the JRMs of the world. Obviously, that's wouldn't we all? But um, you can make arguments for certain guys down below, and we will on this episode. But uh, it's it's not a position that you feel great about, but it's definitely one where you can fill statistical holes if you need to, um, at least power-wise. Power will be there later on. The rest of it, 
could be up in the air, but you'll, you'll at least get power, all things considered. Um, let's just get cracking. The number one uh, third baseman, I'm, I'm, use, I'm still using from December 1st just because it's only um, 14 drafts. There's 12 when I did the thing this morning, so it wasn't like a lot. Um, once we get more DCs going, we'll, we'll shrink the data down some more, but still. Uh, Jose Ramirez, he's gone as high as one, as low as five, ADP of 3.4 right now. We know J-Ram, this dude is a perennial, just, you know, pretty solid batting average guy, if not a, you know, sometimes really good, but for the most part, solid batting average, but power, speed, which you don't get most often. 29 and 20 last year, 36, 27 the year before. He's been 20, 20 in four straight seasons when there was full seasons of baseball. That's pretty remarkable. And he's hit for no, no worse than 266. Uh, over that stretch of time. So this is a legit guy that you know what you're going to get even on a bad or a not-so-great Guardians team. He he got the job done. So I have no problems with J-Ram. I've had the number one pick twice. I've taken J-Ram. Um, what's your thoughts on this guy? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can really miss with him. As you mentioned, just an incredibly consistent 2020, if not 30-20, if not 30-30 profile. Yeah. So, and he's... You know, he does it all. I mean, the one, you know, there's really nothing that you can poke holes. And I think the only maybe slight concern would be the injury, you know, that he had last season. But he played perfectly well um, through it. And so he did uh, incredibly well. I think one of the things about J-Ram, I think that we talk about a lot before, is just, you know, when you look at a position like third base, if you can add that speed, um, I think it it can be a difference maker as you build your team, as you try to give yourself flexibility later in the draft, you know, where, um, you know, you have those steals coming from those, that third base corner infield, those positions that don't typically get you a lot of steals. And so it can make it easier to maybe balance it out a little bit more, stay away from some of the rabbits at, at some of the more speed heavy positions. So I like J Ram. Um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's good. And just like all the guys going at the top, you know, outside of maybe Vlad Jr., you know, I think it's, um, you know, it's totally cool where he's going and keep rolling out there. Yeah, I love it. Uh, the Vlad Jr. stuff. I've had people asking me what's going on with Vlad. What's with the narrative on Vlad? I said, listen to the show, guys. Listen to the show. Pop it in. It just missed two years ago. I'm lonely. Yeah. I'm lonely is the truth of it. Like, I just need, I need some shame. You know, <laughs> so. one way to look at it, but yeah, J Ram's pretty much barring an injury, which any person can have. He's about as comfortable as it comes to a number one pick. Um, you know what you're going to get from this guy, and uh, I believe he even had surgery on the hand, so that should be ready to rock and roll to start the season. Now, this one again, this is why it's fun to kind of start researching early, do some drafts, and dig into players more. Bobby Wood Jr. is the second third baseman off the board to pick 7.7. .7. Um, he's third base shortstop eligible, so we'll talk about him next week as well. He was one guy I was like, I couldn't stomach it, even though like some very, very smart people were like, yeah, he's worth the first round pick. I've asked like Royals fans this. I've asked other people this. They're like, yeah, he's a top 15 pick. Like you you, you take Bobby Wood Jr., the top 15. So I started digging in more and, you know, 2030 last year in the minors the year before, 33-29. Hit for average in the minors, hit 254 in the bigs. I, I was expecting a little more, but all things considered, he played 150 games in his rookie season, played really, really well. There's still chances of things to improve if you really look at the overall profile. The more I look at it, I'm starting to think, okay, for third base, because shortstop, you know, is what it is. Third base, he does stand out because the next guys we'll talk about are almost more power-only guys where Bobby still gives you a, a, an elite stolen base profile. 
and that's where I can see him being a strong first-round candidate. So I'm on board with it now. Wasn't so much before. I'm on board with him if you're playing him for a third-base position. Yeah, he's one of those interesting ones. I saw a tweet by Jeff Zimmerman, you know, about how, like, his OPS <laughs> is, like, questionable, you know? Like, he's maybe not as good of a real player as he is a fantasy player. And I think that's one of the the distinctions that you have to make. As you mentioned before, he's very young. So, you know, assuming he hasn't hit that ceiling quite yet, you know, the projections 26, 27. So pretty similar to what we had for JRAM. Um, you have 262 batting average. That doesn't hurt um, either. Strike keeps the strikeout rate low, obviously does not hit, uh, does not walk. Um, you know, the plate discipline isn't great, but that's not, it's not a deal breaker, you know, in um, in the fantasy game that we play, at least if you're not doing OBP. So that's huge. I think, you know, 20 home runs on 40 barrels. So maybe a little bit lack of luck, but I think also the park, you know, um, that he's playing in. We see that consistently across the board for a lot of the Royals hitters. So I'm not sure how much of that is is feature versus a bug. But I think with all of that, even considered and baking in a little bit of improvement, you know, you could see him, um, you can see him easily returning, uh, returning that value. You know, my early, my early values, you know, have him as like the 12th ranked player versus what he's going ADP wise. But again, it's close enough where, you know, and a lot of those guys are clustered in at about the same amount. And so I think, I think he'll be great. Yeah. And one thing I, I, I was, it was Anthony Gialdi I had on my show a week or so ago, Royals guy. And um, we were talking about these players and, you know, some produced really well. You had Vinny P, you had Jim Melendez, the average wasn't great, but the OBP and the, the skills were good. You have Bobby Witt, Salvi will be back, uh, you know, hopefully for a full season, uh, so on and so forth. And he said the one thing to be concerned about, obviously, is runs scored. And I said, well, what about the caveat with all these guys at the top of the order? They're young. What if they improve as they develop this year? Could that like catapult Bobby Witt into maybe 95 to 100 runs scored if he hits the top of the order? Because you have like the salvies and the venues behind him. That could up his value as well. So there's speculations when you're taking him. But I think the fact he's third base eligible is tremendous. Um, that's that's a big, big boost for his, his value. Because otherwise shortstop, like I compare him to like the Bichettes of the world. And you can go like a round later for that. But third base, it does boost him just a bit. All right, third yeah, base. And that, and that dual position, I mean, you know, it's he's clutch. elite. So, yeah, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it's very, very, very nice. I need to maybe give myself some Bobby Wood Jr. in my life. I just haven't had that. I've either been the very front or 10th or 11th in the back. So I've missed out in that window for Bobby Wood Jr. Yeah, and, um, and j- yeah. just like on that point, I think it's a good kind of separator. Like you look at, um, you know, you look at like kind of ADP of 10 through, you know, 10 through 20 are separated by like two bucks. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's, it's literally kind of how do you want to build your teams? That's how so many, exactly. so many of that is back there. Like, what do you feel? Do you want to go pitcher? Do you want Freddie Freeman? Because you want a first baseman? Like, what do you want type thing? Yeah. And that, and that's what, that can be the separator, right? Like that multi-position yep. eligibility right there. So, yeah. Yep. And, it, and it just brings into play. We talked J-Ram 30 plus steel potential, Bobby Witt 30 plus steel potential. Now you got a couple of good third basemen. I'm not going to knock that at all, but the, the, the stolen bases definitely take a hit here with Manny Machado, the third off the board at 14.7. We did see the steals get to nine last year, 12 the year before, which was nice after kind of 
sitting around five or six for a couple of years. So he might get you double digit steals. That could be nice. He is also getting he's turning 30. So we'll see how that goes. But hits for a decent average. Still at 32 home runs, 100 runs scored, 102 RBIs without Tatis most of last year. Uh, Soto back does help and some other improvements with Bogarts and company in San Diego. So Machado's been a really, really strong asset. If if you want to take one early, I've had zero problem with it. Um, another guy, you kind of know what you're going to get. This is who Manny Machado's been majority of his career once he's been like Manny Machado. So I think it's still a great pick if you want to take a guy early. Only caveat, it's you're not going to get a ton of steals. It's almost like a Vlad Guerrero profile, but a few picks later. Yeah, I mean, that's a great comp. I mean, why not get Machado instead of Vlad Jr.? I mean, really? No. Like you can um, get Garrett Cole in round one and get Machado in round two. It just seems logical, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> you, I, I, Machado's a, a fade for me. Um, I look at the underlying profile from last year, and again, really good player. I'm just not sure. I think last year was kind of a peak season for what he is. You know, at this point, I mean, also you could go with the alternating years narrative, which is pretty clear um, mm-hmm. for him. Um, but, you know, he had 298, but he had that 337 Babbitt, which is 36 points um, higher than um, his career average. You know, it was the highest it's been in his entire career. So the batting average is supported a little bit by that. You look at the home run per fly ball as well, 17.2%. Um, that is one of the highest that he's had in his career, um, even with the bouncy ball. And so with that factored in, you have to think there's a little bit of regression there. So you're getting kind of the, a little bit of the double whammy with the 337 Babbitt dropping down and you get the home run per fly ball dropping down. And I think that's why you see a pretty significant, you know, 30 point dip in his projection compared to the 22 batting batting average, you know, so they have him at, at, uh, 268 versus the 298 from last year. I think that that's a pretty fair projection that they have right there. Um, and if you look at where he's going compared to kind of what he's worth, um, that projection has him as the 27th ranked player. And as you mentioned before, his ADP um, is much higher than that right now. Mm-hmm. So I would um, uh, I would fade him as well. Um, my, uh, my friend uh, Phil Dussault has also p- pointed out the, significant drop in the max exit velo um big for time. manny big time drop. manny machado yeah i mean a seven mile per hour drop is pretty unnerving um mm-hmm. you know he did have a similar max ev in 2019 you know and he recovered from that so but i don't i can't remember any you know uh injuries that would have caused that and so it's enough it's enough of uh kind of yellow caution flags across the board for me to stay away and not try to buy him at kind of his peak value. Yeah, Machado's been a guy that like, I like his profile for the most part. I like what he does. Not a guy I'm looking for at this position, though. It's um, it's like if I miss out on on J-Ram or maybe Bobby Witt, I'm usually waiting a bit for my third baseman. I'm just like accepting the fact I'm not really getting steals, so I'm going to go elsewhere. I'm going to do something else. Um, like guys that are around where Machado's going, and he could still be great. Like the lineup around him is very good, but – you can go get your first SP1, your Burns, your Coles if you want. You can go to Freddie Freeman. I've been going to Jordan Alvarez a lot if he's been sitting there. I think he's a fun uh, option there. Like if I'm not getting steals, give me the average and the power source that Jordan brings to the table. Um, stuff like that. So I have not flocked to Machado. Um, I understand. It. I liked him more like last year when he was like a third or fourth round pick. That was very, very appetizing. And third base was a little worse last year, it felt like as well. So a little more important. 
to go get a guy like Manny Machado. So I'm not as in on it this year as I have been uh, in years past, which, you know, maybe it comes back to bite me. I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm not there with Mr. Machado. The fourth third baseman off the board is Rafael Devers going with an ADP of almost 19. Another guy I've been kind of skipping out on this year. Just not sure why, but I think it's because I just don't like that offense around him much at all. But, you know, 27 more home runs last year at 295. He's always hit for decent to if really good average pop minimal speed. You're not going to get much speed at all. The only thing I'll, I'll say is if you want to play narrative street, we just saw it with Aaron Judge, and by Aaron no means is Rafael – in no way is Rafael Devers going to be Aaron Judge. I'm not going to say that. But I'd imagine there's a chip on his shoulder because the Red Sox will not extend him. They gave him a qualifying offer basically to avoid arbitration this this year, and um, he's not happy about it. So And all of his guys are gone. All his friends are gone. So this feels like it's a he might want to prove it type season. That's the narrative street. If you believe in that, I'm not buying narrative street because that offense is pretty bad around him. But um, Devers is Devers. Another guy, you kind of know what you're going to get, but it's there's kind of profiles that might be pretty close to it behind him. Yeah, I think you're right on. I mean, it feels like Devers every year is that guy who's like on the one, like on the back half of the one, two turn who, you know, the projections all agree, like he's he's kind of worth it, but not like doesn't have maybe necessarily the same upside because of the lack of speed. Um, and so he's always kind of there. He does it every year and he's kind of there. So I think he's perfectly fine to snag here. You know, the the usual conversation about the need to grat to have a plan for speed later on, but I think he's been consistent enough for long enough. He's not in a great offense, as you mentioned, but he's in a he's in a decent park still. You know, the top half of that um, that lineup could be pretty, you know, um, pretty OBP heavy. You know, with some of the guys that they have there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see it. I can see it. I don't think I, I'm probably not going there, but I I can see it. You know, and and the the values and again, you know, these are just based on steamer. They'll they'll. Uh, change, I think, dramatically between now and, and when we are drafting January real night, big January drafts. 19th when ATC comes out. Is that when ATC is supposed to come out? I believe he tweeted something today about uh, January 19th for the first round okay. of ATC. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll add those into the aggregator and and, and plop them out. Um, yeah, so I think with, with Devers, I mean, 22nd you know, ranked player and then his ADP now is... Like just 19, below 19, essentially, yeah. yeah, the same I have in my spreadsheet. So, yeah, so he's fine. You know, not not a world beater, but he's fine. Yeah, you know what you're gonna get from him. So if like you're a comfortable like you know Jenstead and others talk about it, and I like to be a kind of boring drafter most of the time too. He's that boring pick that you like. You know what you're gonna get. You're not like Machado. We talked about the variations. And what do you get from him? You sometimes it's MVP, sometimes it's a mess. Devers is pretty much just a steady Eddie. You can pencil in 25 to 30 home runs, maybe a little more sometimes, good average, 80, 80 plus, sometimes better. Like, you know, you're going to get all of those things with Rafael Devers. The reason why I'm going to pass on Devers is I'm not sure I want the steady Eddie thing, but Austin Riley is the fifth third baseman off the board at 22. If I'm taking an early second, a third baseman, which I'm still after JRAM, not sure I am because there's other things I want to accomplish right now. Riley's done it two years in a row now, 33 home runs and then 38. Um, he's got 90, 90 plus in each of the last two years. And, you know, he had 303 in 2021. Like, there's no way he could hit for average after 226 and 239. He still hit for 273. And he actually improved his walk rate by 0.3%. Not much, but he improved it. Um, 
his BABIP went down much more of a back kind of more towards reality for as hard as he hits the baseball. So I 260 to 275 probably is realistic for Austin Riley. And you, you can do that with that kind of power in that offense. Now, I know his second half was not as ideal as his first half. I will flat out uh, get to that. But I like what he has there. I think if you're playing for more of an upside ceiling play, I think I like Riley over Devers at this point in time. What do you about you for Austin Riley? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the projections at this point would agree with you a little bit, maybe. Let me double check. Yeah, 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 yeah they'd agree, agree, agree with you by one. By one okay. one place. Yeah, I think it's kind of like e- either or, right? You're probably getting yeah. better batting average with Devers. You're probably getting more power with Riley. Probably getting a tad more speed with Devers. And yep. yeah, I mean, I, I believe I believe in Riley. I mean, I believe in everything that he's doing. He's been remarkably consistent. You know, um, the Babip set was at 315 last year. It's at 327 this year. Home run per fly ball last year was at 21.8%, 21%, you know, over the course of his career. Barrel rate, 15.7% last year, 13.8% for his career, you know, but also re- recognizing that he, um, uh, you know, he's improved slightly on his ground ball rate each each year. So he's headed in the right direction there. Remarkably consistent, you know, contact rates, 74.4, 73.9, 72.5. So he's kind of incrementally getting better as the years pass um he is 25 so maybe there's you know a little bit more i wouldn't expect Mm -hmm. a significant downturn in the results barring something else so i think with all of that said i think he's totally justifiable where he's going um at the moment and again it's one of those things where and i'm also trying to do this you mentioned like just like draft good good players um, I struggle with that. I struggle with drafting good players. So I'm kind of like maybe in the boat of just being like, hey, this guy's probably going to be really good. There's nothing that says he's not going to be good. So maybe I should just draft him instead of getting fancy with, you know, five categories or whatever. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, because we talk about it every year when we do these shows. It's like, no, I can't take this guy because of this. I can't take this guy because of this. And then, you know, Austin Riley for two straight years now has been a freaking monster. Um, and there's multiple other examples of players in those scenarios. So now, like, at least makes me sit back, like I mentioned with Bobby Witt. I got to sit back and look at it. Okay, if I do this, how does it affect X, Y, and Z? Austin Riley can obviously, we've seen him help teams win fantasy championships. So obviously, you can build around Austin Riley. It's very doable. Just because he doesn't steal bases, it can be done. And I think it's because of that power in that lineup, a full season of Ronald Lacuna potentially, Ozzy Albies back, uh, second year of medals, like so on and so forth. That's a murderer's row in Atlanta. So, I think the counting stats are more consistent, at least they should be, than like a Rafael Devers coming into this year. The power should be more. Devers should get a little edge and average in steals, like you said. But it just depends on how you want to build your team, and that's really what it comes down to. And I think Riley gives you the ceiling where Devers gives you the safety is where I kind of look at the two guys. Where do you want to go with the two? Do you want just the boring, get what you get with Devers? No problem with that. If you want to kind of go for the gusto, Austin Riley can give you that as well. So I think that's where I stand on that right now. I would draft both over Manny Machado. I'll say that. Now, that is a, a bold statement. I don't disagree with it, but that's a bold statement. I like that. Not many people have come out with it. I would take Austin Riley over Machado for sure. Machado endeavors for me a little closer than I think they – I don't know. But um, 100% I take Austin Riley over. Come here like for the hot yeah. takes, Bubba. Yeah, that was very this is where you come to take him. Yeah. 
I thought we came for the hot desserts, but no, we came for the hot takes. This is good stuff. The, I look so forward is to Machado, the is Machado, Machado tour of shame. Is Machado a dagger then? Um, no, because the dagger, the dagger is somebody who's like, you know, has error bars because of the new rule changes. Gotcha. So like, Fair enough. Gotcha. You know, I think a, maybe a dagger would be like, let's see, who's a dagger maybe that we um maybe ryan mcmahon is a dagger yeah, that's, that's one know? of the things i was staring at yeah. it's like maybe he improves the batting average with the you know kind of lefty ground ball yeah very possible focus maybe I don't maybe know. maybe all right i'll keep that in mind uh sixth third baseman off the board is one nolan arenado going to adp at 37 so after those top five you get about a full round, 16 picks, a little over a full round drop to your next third baseman, and then a massive drop after this. This is why this is why the term when people say that like the position drops off fast, like it's an elite group up top, little drop, and then a big drop. And it just it changes the entire complex of your draft depending on how you want to go about it. Um Arenado entering his age 32 season. I swore he felt older than that, to be totally honest. But he's come to St. Louis, 30 plus home runs both years, 255, 293 average, barely strikes out. Looked even better last year. Fewer fewer home runs, but better average, better BABIP. Um, there's a lot to like from Arenado, obviously. Another, like, okay, here, here's my thing. If you just want a safe pick, why take Devers when you can take Nolan Arenado? Let me put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I've always been kind of like a, a naysayer on Arenado, and I think um, I even talked trash about him, like thinking about who is going to fall from where they're going right now. Um, but what I would say is... I don't know. I mean, he seems like I'm looking at what he's doing and the Babbitt clearly from last year, you know, at least in recent history. I mean, the dude just hits the ball in the air. Like he had a 29.7% ground ball rate after, you know, a 31.3% ground ball rate. So he's only hitting the ball in the air. He's really good at pulling the ball in the air. So he doesn't need barrels to get home runs. He's been like that throughout his career. So I don't really expect anything to drop except for that batting average. Cause with the really low ground ball rate, you know, I, I would just anticipate that he's going to run into, um, he's not going to get as many balls that fall in, uh, this year as he did last year. But even when you drop that, like the projections factor that in and then you plug him into the, to the thing and he's ranked 41st ADP of 38 on my spreadsheet. Is he still there? 37. 37. Wow. He's moving up. Moving up, Nolan Arenado. Um, yeah, I'd say no. I mean, I think I think at some point, like, yeah, there's the whole you know age thing. Like, everybody's always like, oh, they're getting older, they're gonna get bad, like yeah. the whole Nelson Cruz thing. But like, it does add another variable into it. And so I think when you have this large got group of players kind of bucketed together around here, I think there's nothing in Arenado's prof- profile that necessarily like differentiates him enough for me. Um, but again, he's been a good hitter for a long time. So, uh, and the projections, even they don't hate him at his cost. They don't, you know, 41st again and 37th, but that's a four point difference. And probably about the guy going at that mount is probably worth $23 too. Yeah, exactly. And he's a, he's one of those guys that I love because you, like, you can pencil in his stats. You don't have to worry about sitting them. Like it's just usually a position that's locked in. You don't have to worry about him at all. It's great. So I'm a fan of it. Um, if you want to go, like I like I said, I'd, I'd rather take him than Devers. So that's where I stand on Mr. Nolan Arenado. Um, seventh, third baseman off the board, and we're getting close to the cliff. It's coming, folks. Alex Bregman is the seventh one, but going to ADP 82. 
That is a whopping 45 picks after Nolan Arenado. That's three rounds after Arenado. This is Bregman coming off 23 home runs last year, 259 average, 93 and 93. So the counting stats were good. Power wasn't bad. He's, you know, back-to-back years of definitely not being that 30 to 40 home run bat. And the average was down. So he was injured a lot, though. That's one thing I, I do remember. He's definitely injured. Still got the barrel rate up by the end of the year to a pretty respectable number. And his max EV was the best of his career last year. So could be a potential value. Could he be the Astros Jose Altuve of this draft compared to last year's Jose Altuve? I, I'm willing to take some chances on Bregman where I usually never draft at Bregman because of his price. He's a little more intriguing this year. Yeah, for sure. I I, I don't mind Bregman at all. Um, I kind of like him. Um, you know, you look at the batting average last year was lower than it has been historically, but his BABIP was also point, uh, 0.25, you know, 285 career versus 260 now. Not a huge difference between his ground ball rate um, and um, uh, this year and, and uh, or last year and throughout his career. The line drive rate the last couple of years has not been as good. But I also think that line drive has rate has the most variance. So you really got to look at that ground ball rate. You mentioned that he was injured earlier on in the year, and I think he really turned it on. I mean, O swing is delicious at 21.8%. Uh, contact rates continue to be uh, elite. He walked more than he struck out last year, and he's getting on base in front of Jordan Alvarez. You mentioned the barrel rate, 35 barrels last year for the, what, 23 home runs? And he's really good at pulling uh, the ball he in takes the air. He Crawford box. Yeah. yeah, him and Arenado. He he actually does it everywhere because he pulls it He pulls it down the yeah. line. Um, and 7.3% barrel rate is pretty much the highest of his career, going back to 2018 when he had a 7.4% barrel rate. And then if you look at when he got healthy towards the second half of last year, let me just take a look. I'm really excited because he's on my dynasty team. Yeah, uh, second half player. last year, he hit 287. He hit 12 home runs and 237 or 282 plate appearances. So you can kind of see some reasons why he might improve so long as he stays healthy. And obviously that hasn't been the case for the last two or three years or so. Projections also feel reasonable. Um, and they rank him 67th overall, um, and he's going at an ADP of 81 on my spreadsheet and 82, 82 based on our ADP. So he's even you know slipping back a little bit. So I do like Bregman. Um, I don't mind snagging him right here if you're like, oh, I want to get a good hitter. I think he is a good hitter because, um, because the underlying metrics are so consistent. And the only time he's really struggled is when he's been injured, which has been a lot of the time, but he seems like he's healthy. Um, I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, if he's healthy, we know he's a little, he was an MVP candidate. I don't know if we're ever going to see that level of Bregman again, but you're going to see a darn good hitter. That's oh, going to be very productive. So. You're going to see it again, Bob. I hope so, because I'm with you. Like uh, when, I, when I mentioned at the top of the show, I've written about it and everything, there's an edge that drops off. And there's another guy right off the drop-off I'm kind of interested in, but – Bregman and Gunnar Henderson are about to talk about it drops off big time after that to that pool of kind of a lot of similar players. There's some mm -hmm. that stand out. We're going to talk about a few of them, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting make. It's making me want Bregman more, but I just, the price just to see the drop off and the caliber of, of hitter. I like that a lot when it comes to Alex Bregman. So definitely something I am looking into. I mentioned the Gunnar Henderson. He is the eighth third baseman off the board at an ADP of 91. So nine picks after Alex Bregman. Henderson made his debut last season, played 34 games for the Orioles, four home runs, one steal at 259. 
seemed to kind of get it going a little more as the season went on. He's always had a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. I guess through two minor league stops in the bigs last year, he hit a whopping 23 home runs and stole 24 bases, which would play very well if that translated to the bigs. Um, we know the talent's there with Gunnar Henderson. Uh, big ground ball guy. That's been in our, a discussion all over Twitter by people. Um, almost a 60% ground ball rate, 50% at AAA this past year. That's going to have to change. But, you know, he limits home runs, still has a great home run to fly ball. So when he does hit him, he hits him well. That's something to keep in mind. Like, he's, we've seen that from certain hitters. We've seen that. Like, when they elevate a ball, that's what it is, what it is. Like, it's not all just like Arenado where he f- pops everything up. Um, there's there's different types of pro- hitting profiles. So Henderson's interesting. What do you got on him? Because I, I like him. I want to like him. But 34 games, I feel like I need to see more before I invest in him. Yeah, Henderson is – he is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I think – And I have a share. Let me clarify that before I say that. I have one share already. Ooh, so it's you're tough. saying I should be nice here. Well, no, go for I'm it. No, because I pa- I've passed on him every other time. It was a gladiator. Gladiator, I had to have a third baseman. That's, that's dangerous world. But sorry, continue. No, no, no. I mean, I think I think he's really interesting. I mean, the projection, 254, 21 home run – 10 steals is really nice. You know, the runs in RBI are a little, are a little low. And I think that's what's causing the projection. You know, he's, he's ranked 110 in my rankings um, and an ADP of $92. So he's like a negative 18 in terms of ADP versus, you know, um, versus what the production is saying from the steamer projection. I mean, I think he's going to play every day. Um, so maybe the six twelve. I mean, I think that's a reasonable um, projection projection um for him you mentioned the high ground ball rate 59.8 percent. it seems a little bit like an anomaly you know and one of those things like you look at his ground ball rate throughout his 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 um minor league career 44.4 41.1 38.1 um i won't include the 17 plate appearance season um 40.2 yes last year at triple a it was at 50.3 so a recent issue with that ground ball but 59.8 percent seems ridiculously high and it's only 132 plate appearances. And so, you know, if he breaks off a run of five fly balls in a row, that changes pretty dramatically. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't focus too much on that. Um, O swing is great. 23.2%. So really good contact rate is right around the average, which is really good. You mentioned when he does hit the ball in the air, he hits it really hard. So despite having that really high ground ball rate, he still has 9.8% barrel rate. He still yep. had eight barrels, which is nice. The max EV is above 110, you know, which is always, which is always nice. So you can kind of see it. And then you could see you kind of bake in a little bit of that growth maybe. And, and you're looking at a potentially 25, 15 guy, you know, you also maybe, maybe people think, you know, looking at the steals from last year with some of the changes that, are happening at MLB. Maybe that helps um, Gunner Henderson steal a few more bases than than the projections indicate. So I can see reasons for optimism, you know, at the same time that I could also see some um, areas of concern for him. So right now, if I was following the projections, I'd say no, but I'm intrigued enough um, with the potential ceiling there where it could be an interesting pick at that at this at this point and then again getting some contributing some steals in the third base department i think that's is, big yeah it could be yeah. could be nice too that's i think why he's as high as he is adp wise not just well that and people love prospects but um 
the steals upside, I think, is what really pushed him up there because he's got a good profile, like you mentioned, but there's still kind of a few question marks, I guess. And if he wasn't, wasn't stealing more than like five bags, and you know, why? But he's got that potential to go for it. So, again, if you want to go for the gusto, he could be that guy that takes a jump. But um, it's an in- interesting profile to, to sit and look at for sure. The ninth third baseman off the board is one Jose Miranda. Excuse me. Of the Minnesota Twins, first base, third base eligible. AD, oh, it moved since this morning. So I'll switch it. The ninth third baseman off the board is Ooh, Max wow. Muncy. Ooh, Max in. Muncy. We talked about Max Muncy. This is this is, this is the guy I was mentioning, actually. I was, I've, I've grown to love. Second base, third base. We talked about him on the second base pod. Um, but ADP of 152, so it highlights. It's like 60 picks later from Gunnar Henderson. It's four rounds after Gunnar Henderson is when the next third baseman goes. So it's all about d- deciding what you want to do draft. you want to go early? you want to go mid? Do you just want to wait? That's just how the third base kind of flows right now. Um, I think I took him in my recent NFBC 50. What's it, what I say his ADP was 152. I think I took him like at 144. I jumped him just because I wanted to get him. That second base, third base is clutch. I think the power is legit. We talked about him. The second half improvements are great. I think with the shift and everything else, I'm big fan. I'm buying Max Muncy this year, so I'm hoping it's not the year to finally screw me over because I've always kind of faded Muncy. I'm all in this year. Yeah, th- yeah. We, we talked about him in the second base pod. I like Muncy a lot. Um, I think I think last year he was recovering from injury in the first half. I think he improved. He had that gnarly Babbitt, which I think will come back up. Um, and he could also benefit a little bit in the batting average department from that shift. So. Yeah, I like I like Muncie a lot. Yep. All right. Now to the tenth third baseman off the board, first base, third base eligible. We didn't really talk about him at first base, though. It feels like um, Jose for Miranda, good reason. 80, yeah, ADP of one fifty three. He wasn't a top ten first baseman, so we skipped over him in the next section. But he he squeezes in here three picks ahead of the guy that I'm going to talk about in the next section. Um, Jose Miranda at one fifty three point four three. And this is a tough one because you know in the minors he was a thirty home run guy in twenty twenty one. Big hype coming into last season. Played well at 268, 15 homers, second half of the season, hit the ball really well. A little more power in the first half, much better batting average in the second half. It's like, which player are you going to get? The high batting average guy, the potential power stud, which one's it going to be? It's Minnesota. So many questions to be had there, but it's like, I just have a tough time spending an ADP when I got Muncie and then a couple guys behind him that I'm not looking for a batting average source at this point in time. I want power with, we talked about so many similar profiles. There's like four guys or more going after him that all have, it feels like 25 plus home run upside. I feel like I need to go that direction. So I'm, I'm just out on Miranda. I know some smart people that still like him could be totally wrong, but I'm, I'm not there. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of Miranda really. I mean, it's a very blah profile and I think, and I think, like you mentioned, I think there's plenty of guys going later on that I'm more intrigued on. And I feel like maybe have even some more upside than Miranda does, you know, um, he hit 15 home runs last year, only on 22 barrels. So I think a little bit lucky there. Max EV is under 110, So it's, it's fine at one Oh nine, four, but not great. You know, the barrel rate is, is fine. Like everything's just kind of fine with him. You know, like the batting average is fine. The home runs are fine. He's not going to steal bases. You know, he doesn't strike out, but he also doesn't walk. He's got poor plate discipline, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of, it's just a little blah for me um, in general. And so I, I don't really have much interest here. You know, there's obviously the prospect growth isn't linear. So maybe he takes, you know, a big jump um, this year. 
you know, but I, I don't like to, I don't really like to buy that. Um, I prefer to just, um, go with better players. Um, and then just like looking at the back end of his last year, I was wondering how he kind of did as the year progressed, you know, the end zone contact rate fell, the overall contact rate, contact rate fell, ground ball rate increased, O swing increased, hard hit rate fell. So as the year progressed from a skills perspective, he actually, he actually did worse. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm not interested at all. He needs to be going about 80 to hundred picks later. Then we'd have a conversation to be had, but, uh, that, com- <laughs> that conversation isn't happening. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm out. Um, 11 through 20, we have Eugenio Suarez, Matt Chapman, Brian Hayes, Alec Bohm, Josh Rojas, Brandon Drury, Ryan McMahon, Josh Young, Josh or John Birdie, DJ LeMayhew. So we're going to each have two here. We'll rotate back and forth as usual. Toby, I'll give you the floor. Who is your first third baseman you'd like to discuss in ADP 11 through 20 at the position? Yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, Brian Hayes, uh, hurt me once shame on you hurt me twice. Shame on you too. I'm going back to the well, uh, on Cabrian. I had him in a number of leagues last year. Um, the home run totals are painful. I, uh, I don't do not disagree with that. Um, you know, the run and RBI totals last year were, were, were awful. Uh, how do you think, how do you think, how do you think it's going to improve on the pirates? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he hit the seven home runs, uh, 15 barrels at barrel percentage is weak too. Oh God. Now I'm like regretting <laughs> it. He did have his highest max EV of all time. Okay. I'll just say why I chose him. The projections really like him as a value here. Uh, I'm depressed, uh, looking at that. Um, uh, ADP of 168, uh, and then uh, he's the 122nd ranked player based on this projection. And I think, you know, again, it would, we'd be remiss without saying that the reason why you go after Cabrian Hayes is the speed, you know, and the, the potential for power. I think the batting average was a little light last year. Um, 307 Babbitt. He did get that ground ball rate um, to a reasonable number after really struggling with that in 2021. So you know, that 49, 47 to 49% seems like the right range when he's not, um, injured, but, um, again, you know, so I'm leaving this with maybe a little bit less of a love for Cabrian, but, um, all that being said, I think there is reason why a 25 soon to be 26 year old who's hitting in the middle top of the lineup with speed and the new stolen base situation might be able to benefit. And if you can even just get to 10 home runs, you know, a 10, 20 season, um, going at pick whatever, 178 or wherever he's at right now, 176, you know, I think that's, that's a nice little addition, especially like if you've, if you've hit, you get Max Muncy and you get him or something like yeah. that. That's fair. Um, Cabrian Hayes has screwed me over a couple of times as well. Um, and he, he's a conundrum because you mentioned a lot of the things that just so make sense. And I, and I, everyone, he's one of those polarizing names on Twitter. Like you're either in or you're out on Cabrian. I remember when he first came up, I had James Anderson on a show and he was what the profile looked like in the minors. It just never panned out. It's weird, but he's still so young. Like you said, 
Well, today on Twitter, two people I really respect, and Brendan Tuma of Underdog Fantasy and Chris Clegg, who many know from the Fantrax Toolshed. He's now a pitcher list, the lead prospects guy, dynasty guy. They kind of went back and forth. So I'm just going to read you this thread. So I want you to listen because this might even make things more even confusing to the situation. Uh, Brian Hayes percentile finishes in 2022. This is from Brendan Tuma. Hard hit, 84th percent. Average exit below 85th percent. Max exit below 89th percent. Those are all pretty darn good. He said borderline unfathomable. He hit just seven home runs and 560 plate appearances. Toby can agree. Um, then Chris comes back because Chris has done deep dives like everybody else. Um, terrible EVs on line drive and fly balls. It's baffling that he hits the ball so hard on the ground but not in the air. Um, Hayes had just six pulled fly balls last year, Toby. Just six. 97 mile per hour average exit velocity on pulled. He had 25 to center at 92.1 average and 37 at 90 miles per hour average. So it is legit. Um, pull the darn ball, kid. Like, just pull the baseball. That's like, it's it's in the profile. He just doesn't pull the ball and he hits it on the ground. So he's young. It, it can change. He he. I'm trying to support your claim. Is He does prove he can hit the ball hard. He just has to work on that darn launch angle and pull the baseball. Like, that's what it comes down to. Easier said than done. I mean, honestly, the most disappointing thing is that barrel rate, which kind of... Um, well, you have to ball on the ground so much, you can't barrel it up. It highlights what what Chris Chris says there, you know? Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, do you look at all the... You know, Jeff Zimmerman, as usual, had a great article just about, like, this is the red on this guy's StatCast profile. Who is it? This is the, you know... It's like, you gotta you gotta provide some context and... Um, look beyond just percentiles that's uh, why i like that little thread they had there because like it pointed out legit like fly balls pulled like it just highlighted the, the problem right there and uh made it quite interesting all right mine i mentioned jose miranda just beat him out because jose miranda's adp was 153.4 eugenio suarez is 156 he's the 11th third baseman off the board i love him for obp leagues i had him in tout last year because he's perennially well over 300 obp Average is a concern, 202 in 2020, 198 in 2021. Prior to that, though, 271, 283, 260. He hit 236 last year. I can live with that because he hit 31 home runs again. It's two, four, four straight years of at least 31 home runs. Counting stats are there. He walks a decent amount, strikes out a ton. Like You know what you're getting with Eugenio Suarez if he just doesn't crush you in average. And that's what he's done for two years, 236, a little better, closer to league average. Hopefully he can get back to that two, give me like 245. Give me, give me close for that 260 range. I'd be really happy. But you mentioned this like cluster of guys here. You know, you got Muncie who's ahead of them, but then you got Suarez, Matt Chapman, Baum. Like there's so many others kind of a similar feel to their profile. I'll take Suarez in a very improved Mariners lineup. He's proven he can still hit bombs in that ballpark. Um, and he's going to, he's going to, you know, take his walks and get on base and score runs in that lineup too, if he has to. But I like the upside there. If um, this is why I said like, I'd rather have Suarez than Miranda, like, Screw your better batting average. I'll take 15, 16 more home runs and counting stats and go from there. So I'm a Suarez believer. We'll see how it goes. Um, who's your next guy? Uh, my next guy, I really don't like this uh, this area of for third base. So I struggled a little bit with this, but I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna go with Ryan McMahon um of the uh of the Rockies of uh, Rockies fame. Um you know, he's been fine, you know, 246, 20 home runs, 67, 67, and seven last year. You know, the runs in RBI total seems a little, a little light. 
And the projections agree, giving him about the same plate appearances as he's had the last two seasons. You know, 248, 22 home runs, seven steals, 73, 76, you know, which is kind of splitting the middle between 2022 and 2021. And um, which seems which seems like a pretty fair uh, assessment of his talent level. And when you put that all together, you are looking at a guy who um, is currently ranked 139th in terms of his uh, his value um, around $12, $13. And he's going at ADP of on my spreadsheet, 215. On this, he's going at 217, 218. Yep. So it looks like a nice little potential value um, right there for a guy who's kind of in the middle of that lineup. There's not much else to to go to there. So, yeah, I like I like uh, McMahon. I've been Team McMahon for many years now, so I have no problems with that. He's literally he's not quite Cabrian Hayes, but just a slight launch angle difference away from being another stud too. Like it, it's right there from being a legit power source. So love the McMahon call. Brandon Drury would be my next guy. I was in on him a little bit, but I was waiting to see where he landed. Landed in LA. I'm a huge fan of, I'm a huge fan of this offense, the way they built it around trout and Otani. We kind of, I think we kind of talked about Drury last uh, on the second base show, but he's first base, second base, third base. That's huge. Um, I believe, you know, he's not a 28 home run guy, but I believe he's 15 to 20. Like you got that for sure. He'll have decent counting stats, hit for a good average in a really good lineup. I like everything that you can get after pick two, after pick 200, he's like 201 ADP right now. So jury's a guy, especially with that positional flexibility that I like quite a bit in that lineup. So that's it for me. All right. Post ADP 20, Toby, it gets weird down here. You, the first guy you have is a if he's still going this late come March, I'd be shocked, but, um, who you got for your first one? Yeah, I'm going to go with, uh, with Justin Turner here. Um, I think he ended up in a really nice place, um, with, uh, with the Red Sox. Um, I think it's a good ballpark that fits him. It fits the batting average, you know, again, strong last year at 278, 278 the year before, um, 307, like he hasn't hit, below 278 since 2016. Um, so just a really, uh, really, really nice player overall. Last year, I think he got l- unlucky. He had 13 home runs on 31 barrels. Um, so he had a pretty similar, actually higher barrel rate last year um, than he did in 2021, but the results were just not as good. Um, I could easily see him repeating that. He was on fire in the second half. You know, um, coming back uh, from that uh, uh, regression or getting that positive regression coming his way, the true talent level, I think, is still pretty high. And then I wanted to check out one thing. Well, you you talk about your guy next, and I want to look up one thing. Yeah, but I like Turner, and and the projections really like him. Yeah, um, no, he like I'm saying now that he's got a landing spot, I think that ADP should yeah. climb up a bit. We'll have to wait and see. Um, I went Gio Urshela. He's the 32nd third baseman off the board, 357. It's boring. It's very boring. But again, I'm that excited about what the Angels' offense should be this year. I'm very curious about that, and I think it's going to be much better. What I like about Urshela quite a bit is he's also might play shortstop, so he might get dual eligibility there. But he's a dude that's going to get 13 to 15, maybe 16 home runs. Projections have him for 11 and 107 games. He played 144 last year, 116, 132. Unless something crazy happens, he's going to play at least 130, I'd imagine. So give me like 15 home runs. But more importantly, 
What I really like about Gio Urshela, which is harder to find late in drafts, and you got it with Turner a bit, is batting average. He hit 285 last year, 267, 298, 314. He hits for batting average. Projections have him at 260, but again, he hasn't hit 259 since 2018 when he wasn't even a regular ball, like in regular in the lineup. Since he's been a regular, he's hit for average. Um, there's going to be guys on base or that can drive him in, vice versa, either way, depending on where he hits in the Angels lineup. I think there's a lot of value there late in the DC, especially because you probably won't take him. Maybe in Mains, he'll go. In Mains, he'll probably go. 12 team OCs, he won't go, most likely. But in DCs, for sure, like he can be your second or even third, third baseman. And that's just such a nice, nice thing to have. Like if you say you have, you know, say you have Cabrian Hayes and he gets hurt again, to be able to fall back on Joe Urshela is awesome. Like that's a really good fallback plan. And in the end, might have a similar stat line the way Cabrian, unfortunately, has been going. So, I think Geo is a, is a really boring, but in DC is what he can bring to your table. Like some of those late DC picks, like they fill your lineup, but what do they really do? Geo can at least give you something that's hard to find. So I like Geo that late. What's nice. another one for you? Um, just going back to that Justin Turner. So in the last three years, Justin Turner is top 20 in pulled fly balls. So I think, I think Fenway will benefit him and help him give a little bit of a boost to that. Um, to that home run total. Um, so the next guy um, that I have out here, um, you know, I'll do another bold prediction here, um, is Spencer Steer of the Reds. Um, Steer is interesting. I mean, they're giving him a run. He doesn't really have competition um, at third base to begin the year. So if he can get off to a good start, you know, which is not what he did, you know, during his uh, his first run, but, um you know, he makes a lot of contact, you know, his projected K rate is 21.8%, 8.8% um, walk rate. You know, he's projected for a 241 batting average, 17 home runs, but that's only 447 plate appearances. So I think if he actually performs at that level um, over the course of the beginning of the year, then he's like, he's more likely as long as he stays healthy to, to um, boost up that uh, plate appearance projection. Um and so what my, my bold prediction is going to be that Spencer Steer will end up better than Jose Miranda. How's that um, next year? I like, it. I like um, it. It was a short window. You know, barrel rate was okay at 6%. My one major concern with him is the max EV at 104.4, but he's playing in the best run environment in all of um, baseball, um, at least home run environment um, in Cincinnati. So I think that will benefit him a little bit. And again, I think he's going to get some run the plate skills um, look really good. 27.5% O swing, so better than league average. So he's swinging at good pitches. And then the Z contact and contact are both either at or better than league average. So I think overall he's doing um, he's doing enough. And again, I think in that stadium, in that lineup, playing every day, and he is going at pick 401. Is that right? Um, he's going to pick 419 on my spreadsheet. Yep. Um, He's only, he's only, his rank is 351. So not a huge value there, but I, but that's again at 447 plate appearances. So you make that 600 plate appearances and all of a sudden I think he's jumping into the, um, you know, the top 200 potentially. So, um, it'll be interesting, um, for sure, but I like him as kind of a late, late round dart, um, for a guy who's going to have access to playing time and has some skills that could translate into success. Yeah, there's a few back here. I like that one. Heimer Candelario's back here, who was much higher last year. Ramon Urias doesn't stink. He's back here. But the guy I want to highlight is Josh Donaldson 
at pick 404. Ooh, I um, heard you and Rob talking, talking yeah, about him. A, it's just really interesting to me. Like, I know we had a down year, still played 132 games. He was injured a lot, 15 homers, 222 average, highest strikeout rate he's had of his career at 27.1 since at least 2010 when he was a rookie in 14 games. Um, I want to attribute a lot of that to the injury. And also he had some off the field stuff. Like he was, he was in a little hot water at times, but um, and the projections only have him for 102 games, which is weird. Cause there's really no one taking his job unless they really go heavy platoon, which I haven't seen that yet, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but 132 games, 32 games last year, 135 in 2021, 155 in 2019. You give me 130 games of Josh Donaldson at a healthy Josh Donaldson, which is an iffy. He's 37. I get it, but that's a lot of power after pick 400 a lot of potential power in that lineup in that lineup. That's going to score a ton of runs. Like it's an interesting situation. See, I was shocked. Like maybe you heard me and Rob talking about it. We're like, how was he sitting this far back in drafts? I know he had his problems last year. I know he's getting older, but if you're taking a dart in a draft with like a dude, if he can catch fire at 130, like, come on. Like this just seems, I could be totally overthinking this and think it's too easy, but it's a guy I have no problem walking, with, especially if it's like, he could be your fourth third baseman in theory, if not your definite third one in a DC. Like this is a, a guy I'm willing to take a gamble on. If, like an upside pick late, Josh Johnson's a guy I'm looking at. So mm. wanted to bring him up as I still don't understand his ADP at 404. Did he, did he get injured? He was last injured last year. year. Yeah, he was injured last year. That's why he only played 100. He still played 132, but he played through his injury a lot. It was annoying. Yeah, when did he get injured? Let me find out. I'll pull it up. Because uh... there's a pretty dramatic increase in his ground ball rate. Um, in the middle of the season, right around early July, um, just shoots up. I mean, it was like he's a he's not a ground ball hitter, you know. He not hits the all. ball in the air a ton, and he he was at fifty one percent over his last forty games, okay, which is so kind last, of outrageous for him. Last year, um, he went on the IL on May twenty. Or no, he went on the IL on May twenty third. Then he went on the IL for good on May 27th. I don't know why. I was retroactive to May 27th with right shoulder inflammation. So he had the the lingering shoulder injury all season long. And then he went on, uh, he got activated June 15th. Then he went on paternity list on September 7th. So he only went on the IL once, but that shoulder injury, you know how those go. That's an all season thing. So yeah. Yeah. And that can definitely affect a pitch on July July 4th. He got hit by a pitch on July 4th. Fourth, in the hand, yeah, in the hand. That will help as well. That'll wow. That could be a really, that could be a really interesting. That could like it's a dude prior to last prior to last season. Like we talked about him last year, twenty six homers, thirty seven. He was injured in twenty eighteen with a thirty three, thirty seven. Like the batting averages, like you just look at his overall profile. It's, I wouldn't say consistent, but pretty darn. Especially a pick four hundred four. Like I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, um, I'm curious. Let's see. Yeah, he hit 218 after that, 351 slug. How many games is that? How many games does he play? Sorry, I know these are the most exciting no, things. It's but fun because it's another brand. Because like you said, Rob and I talked about it quite a bit the other day, and it's been one that stood out to me quite like quite often. Um, so 2060. So let's see his 65 game rolling average that's how many games he played after getting hit by a pitch on the hand on july 14th and i'm only looking at that just because of the what i say 64 yeah so his ground ball rate 
Yeah, just like his ground ball rate was 51.6% after July 14th. Um, That's literally, that's literally the inflection point for him was getting hit on, I mean, potentially getting hit on the hand Mm -hmm. by a ball. Let me just see something here. His hard hit rate. Yeah. um, I mean, it was falling before then. But yeah, it was really low though. over this over, over the same period of time. Can you do it? I so fell through the roof. Can you do it from May twenty fourth on? Just see where it goes. Um, or, is that, or is that too long? Because that's when he went on the island with the shoulder injury. You might be able to see it even. You might see a drop and then a bigger drop off after the hit by pitch. What, what did you say? May May twenty fourth. Oh, I, I, I can see it. So. 216, 359, 28.4%. Strikeout rate. He only had 10 home runs. How many games is that? That's 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. Like 99. Yeah. 99 games. Let me see. Um, so his 99 game rolling average. Probably too large yeah. of a sample for what you want. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting. It was just more of I a think curiosity. That, yeah. Um, his ground ball rate was forty five point six percent from that point forward, and then it dropped. But I will say that 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 inflection point was hit by pitch, July fourth area. Yeah, it looks like it. It was right there again. Like it's all. A little bit yeah. arbitrary, but I think that could be interesting, you know, if, if Donaldson is healthy, you know, cause I think you saw a lot of, you saw a lot of, um, you saw a lot of chase from him that you don't usually yeah. see ground balls. So I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Maybe, maybe the pressure of New York or whatever, but, but I think that anyways, that's a really long tangent on Josh Donaldson, but I think that's a really good shout. I think, those are the types of things that maybe, you know, the projections can't pick up that yeah. have a real impact. It's a 27% K rate. That's like 4% above his norm. Like that's a big jump for a guy at his age. Like it's done it for so long. So be interesting. Definitely one to, to keep an eye on. Um, we got two listener questions before we head on. One of them is in the chat here. Uh, Jimmy D says, Bubba, you're the only guy I've seen who likes Estuary Ruiz. Wondering bat flips take on him. Uh, the big time speedster that got traded to Oakland, Toby, ADP of two seventy seven. Batting average is a bit of it. Well, it was good in the in the minors. He had a small cup of coffee in the majors, but um, speed's always been a thing for him, and he should play every day in Oakland. So, what's your thoughts on Estuary Ruiz? Um, yeah, I think it's a really good. I think it's a really good shout. I mean, uh, Estuary Ruiz, he's. Right now, with his current projection, he is the 232nd best player, going at an ADP of 298. That projection is for 385 plate appearances. So if he is good enough to play on an everyday basis, that could be pretty remarkable. Yeah. You know, like they have no reason. If even if he's hitting like two ten, why would they sit him? What do they have to lose in Oakland? Like he could be literally the next Billy Hamilton. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's what you want to be. But I'm just saying he could be. And I Billy mean, used to go like top 100. So that, that's why I kind of wanted to say it. Like, think of it that way. Yeah, I mean, the challenge, I mean, he's got a, he's got a horrible O swing, you know. He's going to strike out a ton, a ton. But it's only 36 plate appearances. And in the minors, he did decently well. And in 2022, he had a really good walk rate in double A and triple A over 13% in both places. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it's really interesting profile. This is the type of profile where it's like, you know, it's like the risk is the reward is so high and the risk is relatively low. I mean, you know, he's, um, he's 232nd best player with his current projection. So it's like a $5 player. You know, the guys going around him are like Austin Meadows, Lourdes Gurriel, Lane Thomas, Yohan Moncada, Avi, Avi Garcia, Charlie Blackman, Trey Mancini, Jorge Soler. You know, so guys that like, I actually don't mind, you know, some of that, some of that group, but not nearly, I don't think the upside that you have in, in a guy like Ruiz. So he could be your exit strategy if you're, um, if you're low yeah, on steals. You need that. Yeah, if you need steals, this is your dude. So keep that in mind. Um, we have two questions from SMMS79, our buddy MS, uh, newest member of Gaining the Edge. Thanks for joining the fun over there. Uh, two questions. First one, does the addition of Segura and Correa to third base pool, does it change your approach at all? Because they're not there yet, but they both 99% are going to start at percent are going to start at third base. So within the first few weeks, if not a month, they'll have third base eligibility. Like I remember last year, Bobby Witt had shortstop only, but I drafted him in like the second round of NOC with the, and then I drafted Josh Donaldson late just so Josh could play third until Bobby Witt got it. Um, what's your thoughts on Segura and Correa? Like where would they slot in for you, I guess? Um, yeah, uh, Segura, I think I, th I like Segura a lot. He was one of the second basemen that I talked about. So I think the dual position is great for him. I think second base is probably weaker than third base in my estimation. Um, again, you know, probably not, not super dramatically. So I don't think it changes anything at all. Um, in terms of where I would have him, I think Segura, I would probably have him in the, I think around Ryan McMahon. Um, you know, so in that, you know, Joshua um, Ross area, low right. 200, high 100s. You know, the thing is, he was really good. I mean, Segura had one of his best seasons last year when he was healthy. He just got injured. It's a terrible team. It's a terrible park, but it's also no, nothing interfering with his, his plate appearances. You know, he's, yeah. he's going to be at the top of that lineup. He's going to be batting every day. I think that's, I think that's juicy. He's going to have jazz chism on in the base before him. It's going to be beautiful. Oh my God. It's just going to be like wild. <laughs> what about Correa? Correa, where his ADP is right now, he'd be going ahead of Max Muncy. He'd be in between that Gunnar Henderson, Max Muncy world. And I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure I want, and it's, I, maybe it's on a limb here. I'll take Max Muncy over Carlos Correa. Yeah. I mean, I think Correa in that. Let's actually see. Let me, let me just. That's still assuming he ends up in New York, which yeah, I mean, if he ends up in New York, I mean, it's such a good yeah. spot for him. So Correa as a shortstop is the 104th ranked player. So I was going to say I'd have him above Muncie. I'd have him below Henderson. I think I think that's yeah. fair, but I think they're fairly equivalent. So okay. yeah, 
there you go. Yeah, know. but I, I yeah, I'm, I don't I don't think there's a dramatic impact on Correa's value because he moves to third base at all. Um, it's it's kind of a third base profile, honestly. Yeah, it's a hundred. You know, I mean, he's he's profile. more interesting at third base with multi position eligibility for sure, but um, yes. it's not it's not a you know, fantastic profile at third. It's not a value profile, but at third base, because I don't even consider him usually at shortstop when I'm drafting. I just look right past Carlos Correa, but at third base, yes, he like, okay, he's maybe a more boring Nolan Arenado like type guy type profile, which fits that position if that's what you're looking for. So um, I think we might, you might've answered this one earlier. Are there any concerns about Gunnar Henderson's at bats? He seemed to play almost every day last year and Steamer has him down for 612 at bats. That would have been tied 10th last year. I think that's relatively fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't know why they they would steer clear of him. I mean, he should be the starter and play every day. Yeah, he's the dude. I don't see them he's platooning the... a guy like him. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. If they call I mean, like if he's got year... four years under his belt and he can't hit lefties, you know, at that point, then maybe, but yeah. They called him up last year in a pennant race, didn't platoon him. Don't see that changing now. Like this is one of their guys of the future. Him uh adley like these dudes are playing like that's just the way it's gonna go there's other guys they'll platoon it won't be i doubt it i won't say well i doubt it will be these guys like ramon urias is not gonna platoon with gunner henderson let's just put it that way so we will wrap it up there toby any final thoughts on the third base position no i like it i like their base i like their base a lot <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a it's an interesting position it's very top heavy and then kind of a minefield of there is some good stuff there so Pick your poisons, and if you wait, you can survive at third base. You just have to maybe be slightly more aggressive with the guy you want, like a round or two, just to make sure you get him. Because if you don't, then it might get a little troublesome yet again. So definitely a doable position. Next week, we'll finish up the infield with shortstop, which is a fun one as always. And it's interesting this year. I won't say why, but you guys, it's talked about on Twitter a lot. It's a lot different to me than it is in normal years. So we'll talk about shortstop next week. But until then, Toby's on Twitter at BadFootCrazy. I'm at BD Intric. This is Bubba and the Bat Flip episode 141. Catch you guys next time. That's going to wrap us up for edition number 237 of Bat, the Bat Flip Crazy podcast and uh, episode number 141 of Bubba and the Bat Flip. See what I did there? I mixed it up. The episode and the edition. Uh, that's uh, giving away the, uh, the clues uh, since it's kind of one podcast but two. So there's an episode and an edition. Um, and I say addition as in E D I T I O N. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I hope you really enjoyed the podcast. It was fun talking third base, fun talking with Bubba. Really appreciate everybody listening. Best of luck with your fantasy baseball research. For those of you drafting early, good luck with your drafts. Take care and be kind to one another. <laughs>